So you've joined us in a series, a preaching series we are in, in 1 Peter. Uh, we've, we've called it Elect Exiles. He refers to that right at the start of, of the book. And, uh, and the focus in 1 Peter is uh, he's, he's encouraging Christians to keep going. Keep going in, in your walk with Christ. Know who he is. Get deeper in Christ. And, and, uh, and as the pressures of the world come, you know where you're holding on to. Just like Eilis was praying near the end of, of when we were singing about the solid rock, our firm foundation, and, and, and all of those things very much encapsulates that. We're going to be in 1 Peter 2. Um, if you don't have a Bible... And it's because you don't own one. You can put your hand up and Stefan at the back, he'll run a Bible over to you if you need a Bible. Um, you can keep that, write your name in it, keep it, it's yours. Um, but uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter 2. So if, you have a, if you've got it on your phone or your iPad or anything, flick to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verses 4 to 10. Um, just before I read, I'm just going to pray that, that God speaks to us teaches us, encourages us, challenges us, okay? God, I just, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that this is the foundation. Your word is the foundation for life and flourishing. And I just pray, Lord, that as we just look at it, as we explore it, as we dive into the ocean depths of it, Lord, will it change our hearts, not for our own sake, but for your glory, Will it change our hearts because we are just so much more in love with you? I pray will you grow our, our desire for you, our love for you this morning as we explore your word. Amen. Amen. We're going to read chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also... Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, that's us Christians, This stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, this stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Wonderful news there from from 1 Peter. Um, Before I started working for the church, I had a, a different job. Uh, a proper job, you may say. Uh, I was a, a primary school teacher, and as a primary school teacher, what you do is you teach every lesson under the sun. You're apparently meant to know everything. And uh, I specialised in PE, because it's obviously the funnest lesson. 
we go outside and we play sport, like what not to like. Um, but uh, another subject I did enjoy to teach was science, because again, you get to do really... Thanks, Silas. Silas <laughs> is a primary school teacher. She also specialises in science, hence the whoop. Um, but, uh, but I really enjoy teaching science, because you get to like... So one experiment I did once, I said, you've got to make the darkest place you can. And so like, I had kids in my classroom, like under tables, with a box, with something within a box, with something within, like trying to make it uber dark. So you get to do stuff like that. But um, although science is fun to do, there was one science lesson. For some reason, it feels like they teach it in every year group that I hated. And that was teaching about rocks. Like, so dull. So dull. And literally, all children in primary school need to know are the three types of rocks. And for some reason, we just teach it over and over and over again. Um, I don't know why I'm ranting about primary school geology, but hey. Um, and, but the main reason I didn't like to teach about it was because it was rubbish. It was really boring. It was really dull. And, um, uh, does anyone know the three types of rocks? Let's see if anyone in the room... Uh, let's, I know, let's test the science teacher. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Um, Eilis, do you know the three types? Oh, she does. She's nodding. She's pleased. What three types of rocks are there? Well done. Metamorphic and igneous rock. Very well done. So what is an igneous rock, Eilis? Yeah, very well done. Very well done. So each of the rocks are formed in, in different ways, and they're, they're used for different... Uh, reasons, and uh, I bet you weren't thinking, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to learn about geology today, but there you go, you now know the three types of rocks. Where am I going with this pointless anecdote? Um, Peter, this morning, I don't know if you noticed it or if you spotted it, um, he's going on and on and on and on about stones and rocks. Yeah, he's, he's, he's talking about rocks, but he's not talking about sedimentary rocks. He's not talking about metamorphic rocks. He's not talking about igneous, ro- igneous rocks. He's talking about living rocks. He's talking about living stones. And obviously, it's not t- the type of stones that, that you, you learn about in primary school. He's, he's very much not talking about that. So what does he mean by living stones? What does he mean? My living stones, what, what attributes, just like igneous rock, one of its attributes is that it's made from a volcano. What attributes do these living stones have? What's, what makes a living stone a living stone? And so for the rest of the morning, we're going to explore living stones. What makes a living stone a living stone? Uh, and as there are characteristics of all those other rocks, there's obviously characteristics to living stones. And I'm going to pick out three of those characteristics. Um, so this morning we're going to see that we are living stones who are alive, who are thrown, and who build. We're going to be seeing that. So let's, let's look, first of all, at living stones are alive. What, what do we mean by living stones? How can they be alive? What's that, what is that all about? Like what, what's, he, what's Peter talking about? Well, throughout the passage... As he's mentioning stones, he's also mentioning again and again these constant threads back to the Old Testament. He's linking back to the Old Testament again and again. He's linking back to Isaiah 28. He's linking back to Isaiah 26, to Psalm 118, to Psalm 34, to 2 Samuel 17, to Deuteronomy 32, to the book of Hosea. 
There's these constant threads in what he has written, which is like, look back. Look at all these things. There are constant threads because Peter wants us to see that Christians, us as Christians, we are living stones because of what Christ has done, because of God's plan from the very beginning, how that's worked through. And often we read passages like the one in Peter um, through our 21st century eyes and uh, we, we can miss the importance of stones. We, we, we can miss the importance of what stones are about in Scripture. We can miss, like I mentioned, those verses. Some of you are like, I didn't know they were in there. I wouldn't have even ever known they were in there. But, but we can miss those. But imagine that you are somebody um, in the, the scattered early church that Peter is writing to. They would have known. They would have recalled to mind those Old Testament passages, those references. And they wouldn't hear it like we hear it. We're like, oh, okay, so Isaiah's in there, that's, that's cool. That's not what they would hear. They would have made the connection between stones and these passages with the temple, the Old Testament temple. So in verses 4 to 8, Peter is pointing to two temple building projects. Two temple building projects that, that were happening throughout Scripture that they would have been aware of at the time. And those two temple building projects was number one, the Jews' temple building project, and God's temple building project. So the Jews at the time, they had plans to build their own physical temple in Jerusalem, but, but they didn't want to include Jesus. They weren't going to include him. That's not what it was about. But God... God, since Genesis, these threads that, he's brought th- that Peter has brought through, is God was building a new temple that was not in Jerusalem. That wasn't there, but, but its foundation also wasn't a physical rock, but the living, resurrected Christ, Jesus, the cornerstone. Peter is pointing the readers to notice that the new temple is different to what they expected. Because it isn't this physical, geographically located temple made out of inanimate bricks and mortar and whatever else they would have used at the time to to make it. But living and breathing human beings, human stones like you and I. That's what the new temple is. Also, its foundation isn't, isn't on bricks and mortar. It's not on the the physical bricks and mortar, but again, a person. God himself, Jesus Christ in human, God in human form, who is alive because of the resurrection. And that's what makes us living stones, because we are alive in Christ. In verse 4, Peter is trying to be clear as he can, so as clear as he can, when he starts with, as you come to him. As you come to him, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. It's like Peter is saying, I'm about to tell you right, all of these Old Testament references. I'm even going to quote some of them to you. But that's because you need to know in your heart that, that you are a living stone. And because you're a living stone, your role is to make much of Jesus. That's what a living stone does. It makes much 
of Jesus because he is the one who makes you alive. He's the one who brings life through his resurrection. Without him, all, you're, all you are is an unliving stone, a stone. You're just a stone. What we're to do is, as, as living stones, make much of Jesus who holds the new temple together. He is the one that makes it living and breathing and active. That's what he does. And our world makes much of so many other things. Our world makes much of other people, of the inanimate, unliving stones, just general, regular stones. And Peter knows that the human heart, all of us, absolutely all of us in this room, loves to construct this platform upon which we make much of other stones, much of ourselves. We make much of ourselves and other people. We try and use lifeless stones to bring us life. Sometimes this happens through being famous in the public eye. That's often what we, we think of, but I don't know many of us who are uh, in, in, the, in the public eye. Uh, I don't know many of us who are on, uh, on telly, famous on, on Instagram, etc. Yeah, most of us in this room, we're inclined to pursue fame in, or lifeless stones in much smaller and subtler ways. It, it, mainly through our effort or our abilities. That's where we want to be famous. Take parents. Parenting, we, 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 we work hard to raise obedient, perfectly ch- obedient, perfect children. Not because we think that's how society flourishes and and, and would, would benefit from, but because we want other people to go, oh, your children are really nice, aren't they? you got really love. Deep down, that's really what we're thinking. That's really at the heart of, of what we want. We, we do it in our jobs. We, 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 we work hard, not because we think, well, I'm really working for the company. We're, we're doing it because we want people to go, oh, they're a hard worker, aren't they? They're good. And, and what we do in our society is we make, I'm really tired, I'm just working so hard, I'm really tired, as like this badge of honour. Like, I'm really tired. Wow, you must work so hard. It must be, I do it. Like, I'm, I'm telling people how tired I am, not because, probably because I am tired, but because I want people to go, well, wow, you must, you, 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 you're, you're a busy person. You, you're, so, you're so important. We can make so much of ourselves. We can make much of ourselves and miss making much of Jesus. And so we're missing that he is the living stone that brings us life. It's all about him. It's all about Christ. You know what? Peter's name, Peter's name alone means rock. In this passage, he could have easily made much of himself. So Jesus said to me, right, imagine I'm Peter. Jesus said to me, on this rock, Peter, your name, I'm going to build my church. He's going to build his church on me? How good is that? But he's not. He's not there. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, 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 no. The cornerstone is Jesus. Those who have made a life make much of Christ. That's what we do. Peter's focus is not on Peter the rock, but on Christ the cornerstone. Where's our focus? As well as making much of ourselves, we can often do the opposite. We can make little of ourselves. We can do the same. We can, we can approach our Christian life with, with lots of I'm nots. 
oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very experienced as a Christian. I'm a new, I'm a new Christian. I'm not, I'm not very experienced. I'm not, I'm not very good at reading the Bible. I'm not very good at reading, so I, I, I can't really read the Bible. I'm not, I'm not very good at praying, so oh, prayer meetings, nah, 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 not doing that. I'll pray in a life group, smaller setting, oh, no way. Right, we, can, we can be very much like, oh, no, I'm, I, lots of I'm not. Yeah, I'm not behaving like he wants me to. I'm not behaving like him or her as well. Verse 9. But you are chosen. But you are. But you are holy. But you are a holy priesthood. Treasured possession. But you are. But you are. But you are. Yeah, because Jesus is the cornerstone and he is the one who makes you a living stone and brings you life. You are born again because of Christ. Yeah, we can bring our mediocre prayers because of him. Yeah, but you are. We can, we can stop approaching with I'm, I am nots and we need to start approaching our faith with I ams. I am in him. I am righteous because of him. I am because. You can come to prayer meetings because you are in Jesus. You can pray in small groups because you are in Jesus. You can enjoy reading your Bible, however that might work for you, because you are in Jesus. Verse 9, but you are. Verse 4, as you come to him. It's all about Jesus. Living stones are alive and being living stones means we make much of Jesus. Much of Jesus, the life giver, because we're no longer a stone just sitting there doing nothing. We are living stones, alive in Christ. So living stones are alive and they make much of Jesus, but living stones are also thrown. One of my pleasures of living in Bognor Regis is that we get to live by the sea. Who else likes the sea? Isn't it a good place to live when it's sunny? Um, but it's, it's such a wonderful place to live. And one of my favorite things about living by the beach is the stones. I think, I think living in Bognor for 10 years now, I'm like, I think I like stones more than sand. I think, I think I'm there. I think sand is a faff. I gets everywhere. But, but stones are much less, uh, as long as you're wearing the shoes. You've got the beach shoes, you're all right. Um, yeah, I, th- I think. I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm fully convinced they're better than sandy beaches, but I'm getting there. And uh, since lockdown, I've developed a game on Bognor Beach. See me there every week. No, not every week. This, this is now going to sound like I'm a complete loser. Um, so during lockdown, I created a game when we were walking along. I'll get a larger stone. I like to call it like pigeon shoot clay pigeon shooting but on a budget so you you pick up a larger stone and what you do you throw it as high as you can in the air and while it's in the air you've got to pick up another little stone and then try to hit the big stone it's a great game if you haven't tried it you should try it makes me sound really no obviously health and safety be careful of all that as well well you've got to be aware haven't you that's what makes it dangerous and fun um, so, either way, it keeps me amused for hours to the point where you're throwing... Have you ever thrown a stone so much that your arm starts to hurt? Like, um, I've really digressed here. Why am I telling you this? Um, 
Stones are to be thrown. Stones are thrown. They're thrown by me on the beach. They're thrown by children. They're thrown by the wind. You walk along Bogner Beach and you see them all piled up on the promenade. They're thrown by the waves. My point is this. If we are living stones because we are made alive in Christ, then we must expect similarities in his life and our life. Jesus, who is the cornerstone, he was thrown about. He was thrown a lot. Verse 7 to 8. Now you who believe, it's you and I, Christians, this stone, it's Jesus, is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected, Jesus, has become the cornerstone, and a cornerstone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. If Jesus is the cornerstone of what Christians believe to be true about the world, then we must expect to be thrown. It must be in our expectations. Christians must expect negativity sometimes. We must expect pressure sometimes because of whom we follow. 2,000 years ago or A little bit longer, Jesus was rejected, but he also continues to be rejected today. People refuse to believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Others reject that he's he's just worthless, or he's just a nice guy, or he's a bit of a lunatic. There's a famous C.S. Lewis quote which says, Either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God, or else he is a madman or something worse. Everyone must decide. As Christians, however, we have decided that Jesus is not a lunatic, that he's not just a nice guy, but rather he is the Son of God. And that belief, that understanding of who Jesus is, it's going to bring, it's going to bring a friction. It's going to bring, bring a stone throwing, whether we mean for it to or not. I mentioned earlier that Peter refers again and again back to the Old, the Old Testament. And this verse in 7 and 8. It is a quote direct from Isaiah 28. The context that Isaiah is talking in is one of judgment on, uh, from God on humanity, on, on the Jews at the time as well. It was uncomfortable to hear then as it is to hear now. Our culture denies and we dislike the idea of truth. And, and the notion that there is a God who can judge truthfully and rightly above ourselves. If we talk of Jesus as the ruler of all, this can become a stumbling block or a rock that causes offense to people. It will. And this idea isn't just, oh, we've just got it from 1 Peter. No, we see it throughout Scripture. You see it from Genesis all the way to, to Revelation. Paul, Paul, I'll mention a quote in a minute. Paul really hones in on it in 1 Corinthians 1. The church as a whole, we, we mostly preach that Jesus comes to bring life, that he comes to bring peace. He's the peace bringer and, and hope and love. He loves everybody. And this is entirely true. Amen and then some. It's entirely true. True. However, Jesus didn't come to bring only peace. He came to divide humanity between those who believe and those who disbelieve. 
And you might be thinking, well, it doesn't sound very much like my Jesus. It doesn't sound like Jesus. Well, listen to this. This is Jesus talking about himself in, in Matthew 10. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He's not talking about war. He's talking about wanting to... to, to he explains it here. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That'll punch you in the face, doesn't it? So often we hear Jesus loves, he accepts, yes and amen. But Jesus is an offensive figure. He demands our total allegiance. Everything else pales into insignificance compared to knowing Christ. He is either the cornerstone or your stumbling block. He cannot be either, uh, other, either than those two. Because sin needs dealing with. Our sin, our, uh, our wrongness with God needs dealing with and only he can deal with it. Jesus is not willing to just be one brick in your building. It's not what he's come to do. It's not what he did in, in dying on a cross. wasn't to be just a little brick in your own building. It's the opposite. He calls you to be built into his. Which building project are you working on? You're working on his or yours? I'm aware to anyone who's hearing this, this is, this is either the most wonderful or the most offensive news you've ever heard. But how should, how should a Christian act if Jesus' message is a, is a stumbling block? Well, our behavior should never offend. The truth of the gospel may do, but our behavior should never. That's not its purpose. Christ's message doesn't give us license to be obnoxious or arrogant at other people's views. We must be respectful. We need to be winsome when we share the gospel for our hope with unbelievers. Peter makes that really clear later on in chapter 3. He's clear about that. Jesus is a stumbling block because he's either, he's either king or crook. But we are able to be Christ-like, to show why. Why do we bow the knee to King Jesus? That's our, that's our role. Know this, it doesn't matter how kind we are. It doesn't matter how kind the church is, how kind the Christians within the church are, which we must be. It doesn't matter how gracious the church is, which we must be. It doesn't matter how charming we are, which we can try and be. It doesn't matter how relevant we may seem to the world, which we, we, we try to be. What does matter is to hold on to the cornerstone, to preach his good news for all people. 1 Corinthians um, 1, verse 22. Some demand signs and look for wisdom. That's what the world's looking for. Signs, wisdom, where does it come from? But what do we do? We preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews. People who, people who have a faith in God still be a stumbling block. And it's foolishness to Gentiles, those who are like, I don't really know God, that's, that's out there. But hear this, know this, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let's be respectful, let's be gracious, let's be kind, let's be merciful, let's, let's be Jesus. 
but we need to realize that along, as long as we embrace the Jesus of the Bible and everything that he has commanded, it will offend. If Christ is our cornerstone, some may find that it's a boulder that they just whoop, keep tripping over. They just can't get over it. As living stones, let's remember that we are alive because of him, we are thrown because of him, but we also build because of him. You can't talk about bricks and stones without talking about buildings. They, they, they go together. I mentioned the links to the, the temple a little bit earlier, and the idea of building is clear in this passage, and it's a characteristic of a, of a living stone. This, uh, this picture, this is a picture of a place called Casa do Penedo. It's in Portugal. It's called House of Rock. It's made using boulders by glacier uh, boulders, cornerstones, if you will, uh, and then lots of little smaller stones are built around it. Why have I got that picture up? Because I'm going to read verses 5 to 9 to you, and I want you to have that image in your head. I want you to have that picture in your mind. You are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. Doesn't it look like a good house? looks impressive. You're to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, you are chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Hear me, church. God made us living stones so he can build and so that he could build impressively. He wants to build impressively. Living stones are built to be collective, to be joined together, to look impressive and glorious. I want you to have this image of Casa de Pinedo in your mind because it is impressive. And often when we read passages like I read, we, 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 we make it small and unimpressive. The idea that you are chosen. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a spiritual house. You're God's treasured possession. And we can be like, well, that's nice. That's nice. Oh, it's nice that it links to the Old Testament. That's very clever, isn't it? It's nice, it's nice that we're holy. It's nice that, oh, it's really nice what Jesus did. It's really, it's really nice that I'm now called a priest. Peter isn't thinking that way. He doesn't want to limit our thinking. He doesn't want us to limit, but realize that we are part of something bigger than ourselves, something more spectacular like Casa de Pinedo. Peter references priesthood in verse 5 to 9. And in our modern reading, we think of just one person. We can think of just one person, maybe, maybe uh, someone in a, in a Church of Englandy type of church, high Anglican church or a high Catholic church. We can think of, think of a priest in that way or, or an old guy who's, who's in a funny hat at the king's coronation. That might be, might be what you're thinking, but Peter's not thinking of individuals. He's not referring to individual people functioning as priests. And this wasn't even in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was, it was the tribe of Levi who were priests, a collective there was a collective at, at the time, and Peter is clear that through the work of Christ, the worldwide church, Christians together, corporately, that is the Lord's priesthood. 
That's who the priests are. And we tend to individualize the idea of priesthood. But Peter is saying that everyone in this room this morning, if you are a Christian, if Jesus is your king, you're a bunch of funny-looking priests. And the role of, of priests in God's building project is to build big through his Holy Spirit, through what the Spirit does. One of the roles in the Old Testament of, of priesthood, um, that was they were selected from the tribe of Levi and to interact with God through his Spirit. But now, through what Jesus has done, through the one who makes us alive in his death and his resurrection, we're not a select tribe. We're not a certain location where humans can interact with the Holy Spirit. Is the, is the Holy Spirit indwelling within us wherever we go, wherever we are? The priestly calling of the church, understood in verse 9, is to be evangelistic, to build his church with a Casa de Penedo view. Through his spirit at work, there's something bigger. To know and grow God's name to be praised worldwide. That's why when Luke was talking about Commission Festival, it lifts our eyes. It lifts our eyes to, to see that we are part of something bigger, that there is a royal priesthood. Yes, there's a royal priesthood in Bognor and in Chichester and in Haven, but there's also a royal priesthood. When we go to Commission Festival, we can see stunning royal priesthoods in, um, in Bangalore, in Madrid, in Porto, in Fort Worth, lift your eyes. There are living stones. That are, there are more living stones out there than there are in here. There are more holy priests than there are in this room. God is building using living stones to create a Casa Ponedo on rolling hills, overlooking a glorious view, not a shed in a garden. And you might be thinking, well, what does that mean for me? Why, why is that exciting? Because I think put myself in this camp as well. I, I, I think that our expectation levels when we come on a Sunday morning are too low. I know, I know they are for myself. But we're, when we sing, and we're going to celebrate with communion in a minute. Or, or when you come next week. Like, what, what's, what's happening? As we gather as the local church each week, as we gather as life groups, as we gather as Bible study groups, if, if you do any of those with people, God is there. God, God is there. God is, is there. God is there. God is there. You're at life, oh, God is there at life group. God is there when you're working. God is there when you meet on a Sunday. God, not, 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 God. God is there. Catch that. God is there. That means that we don't have to conjure up his presence. We're not conjuring something up. In the silence, God is there. In, in the music, God is there. We don't have to conjure him up. When we meet, that means that when we meet, tiny parts of the small section of God's temple and priesthood are being built. They're being built weekly. Not just in Bognor, but in Chichester, in Haven, in Scunthorpe, in Truro, in Wigan, in Brazil, in Spain, in Portugal, in Paris, in Papua New Guinea, in Congo, in Beijing, in India. The list goes on. The same Holy Spirit is at work in those places as it is in this place. 
same Holy Spirit that is in us as we engage in communion, as we engage in preaching, as we engage in singing together. What a privilege we have got when we come to church on a Sunday morning. What a Casa de Penedo moment. There is no better way, I think, than ending this morning than sharing communion together, knowing, knowing that worldwide they're sharing in the same material interaction with God as we are. What a privilege, a moment to remember and celebrate, oh, Jesus makes me alive. What a moment to remember, I might feel rejected, but he has dealt with a greater rejection through what he did on the cross. And a moment to see and interact with God and see the bigger picture. Oh no, he didn't just save me, he saved the whole of humanity, Well, if they want to accept him. Amen? Why don't, we, why don't we stand up? We're going to take communion together. We're going to worship God again. I just want to, we've got a bit of time. I just want to make space this morning for the Holy Spirit to, to move. For God to work in hearts this morning. So just where you are, just close your eyes. Just lift, lift. As you close your eyes, what you're doing is you're lifting your eyes. God, we're just so aware. So aware. That not just here, but throughout this world. You are at work. Your Holy Spirit is at work. Your Holy Spirit is working in the lives of people right now. And, and even in this room, God, you're, you're just awakening souls afresh and anew this morning. I thank you, God, that we can engage with your Holy Spirit wherever we are. And Lord, we are here we are here in this room, and we're not, we're not conjuring up anything. We're not hyping you up. Lord, we want to we come low to see who you are. Holy Spirit, come and breathe afresh on us this morning. Holy Spirit, come and teach us more of your grace, more of your mercy. More of your goodness. Let's just wait on God.